So if you'll turn in your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 107 today. Psalm 107. I don't plan to hold you very long. Uh, I always say that's famous last words, but hey, look what happened last week. If you weren't here last week, you missed a miracle. I don't think I've ever preached that short of a message as I did last week. But I don't know that it'll be that short, but, but I have no desire to hold you any longer than necessary. I might make mention that there were a couple of, of guys, of, of folks from our church, ladies and guys, who came out last night for Heartland Ministries Radio 5K. And I have to mention that because not only do I work at the radio station there and was it a, 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 a outreach for a great ministry, I believe, but it was so cold. Uh, my daughter wants me to share a picture that I don't know that I'm going to share because I was so bundled up. I had on a toboggan and, and everything else because it was so cold in the dark last night. Oh, well, it's already bypassed me. But uh, the, uh, it was so cold. They came out and they ran 5K in the cold and, and they actually won. Uh, they got medals and all that kind of stuff, and I've got to commend them for that. Uh, Crystal and Jared and J Josh and Catherine just, uh, but uh, uh, man, I, that was fun. Well, it was fun for them. It was not fun <laughs> being out in the cold. But, uh, you know, I am so grateful to God for every season of life. I'm grateful to God for everything that he is and everything that he does. And this time of year, we always talk about Thanksgiving. I think it's an awesome thing that as a nation, we have a day that we stop. And even though I know a lot of people never think about what this day was really for, but I think it's good that as a whole, we stop. And we just pause and think about what we have to be grateful for. Because all of us know, and I don't want any hands raised, but all of us know that it's pretty easy to think about what's not right. What's n prayers don't seem to be answered the way we want them to or in the time that we want them to. Everything that's going wrong. But I think it's important for us to stop. And the only way you're ever going to really be grateful is if you do that. You have to stop. Because the business of your life is always going to keep you pointed towards what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And with every what's next, there's something that has to happen or something that you need. So in order to really be thankful, I think we have to stop. And you will never stop unless you do it on purpose. If you're not intentional about pausing to reflect on the goodness of God, you will never do it. If you're waiting for the perfect time and season in life or in a week or in a year, to stop and really slow down and reflect, you're going to be waiting forever because every time you think you're going to have one of those days or one of those seasons or one of those weeks, it all, tell me, am I not right? It just fills up out of nowhere. So it, it almost seems like there's a concentrated effort to keep us obsessed with what's next. What's next? In Psalm 107, Five different times in Psalm 107, the psalmist utters this phrase, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, verse 1, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Five times in one psalm, give thanks to the Lord. 
Why? Because he's good. And he's never going to stop being good. His mercy endures forever. You know, Thanksgiving is a lot more than just a sentiment. It's so much more than just a a holiday for sure. Thanksgiving has the power, biblically speaking, to open the doors of the presence of God. Verse that we quote quite often, Psalm 100 says, We enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. There's something about gratitude. There's something about expressing to God our appreciation for who He is in His character and His person and for the acts of power and, and, and blessing that He's brought forth in our life that just literally opens the gates and the doors for the presence of God to enter into our circumstance and in our life. And I want to tell you something. I stopped in the middle of worship today. and Please understand me. I'm not about... Emotion's fine with me. God made us emotional people. But I'm not about emotion. I'm neither here nor there with it. If we get emotional, and I can get emotional, I can cry. Goodness, a, a commercial that I'm one of these guys. I'm not like most guys. If a commercial's really touching, I'll tear up. You know, I mean, I, I can do all of that kind of stuff. So I'm not against emotion at all. I think it's a wonderful thing, but I don't like being led by emotions. Emotions are great servants, but they are horrible masters. They were not made to master us. So it's not about emotion. But I I do believe that as the people of God, we have failed to, I think, let me put it this way. I think we take too lightly the fact that we have a real enemy. We have a great God, but you also have a very real enemy. And whether you think about the fact that he is actively opposing you or not, he's still actively opposing you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is work- the Bible says that God does not want us to be ignorant about the schemes or the devices of the enemy. So according to New Testament Scripture, the enemy is working on plans and schemes to trip you and me up. To discourage, the Bible says the enemy cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So he's always scheming a way to steal from you. He's always scheming about some new plot to destroy you or to kill something that God is trying to birth in your life and in your family and in your ministry and in your home. He, you may think, well, I've got plenty of time to think about this and I'm not going to worry too much about it right now, but I promise you the enemy is up nights just scheming on how he can keep you from what God really has for you. So, well, I'm not going to think about all that. You have that prerogative, but it doesn't change that the enemy's thinking about it. Biblically, the Bible says he is. So there is an enemy scheming. And many times when we even unconsciously yield to him, just simply by default, I think a lot of times we yield to the enemy's plan by default. We just don't take time to pursue God. And by not taking time to pursue God, we wind up just being adrift into whatever comes into our life. And if you get adrift in life, then it's going to be the enemy that's going to have more of an avenue to accomplish his schemes and his plans in your life. Not because he's so great. Listen to me. I know because some of you, I don't think you ought to give this time to the enemy. I'm not. See, he's not worth our time. The problem is, it's not that he's so powerful and great. It's just that he's so ignored. We don't pay any attention. 
We're not aware. So we just think that whatever's happening in our life is just happening. I can't do anything about it. It's just life. This depression that I feel, it's just life. It's just the way it is. This heaviness that I feel all the time, well, you know, it's just the way it is. This oppression that's bothering me, this sin that I keep falling to, this addiction, this, this sickness, this, 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 that. Are you saying sickness is sin? No, I'm not. Sickness has nothing to do with sin. Oh, you're saying that I'm sick because I don't have faith. No, I'm not saying that either. I've seen some of the greatest people of the greatest faith I've ever had battle with sickness. But what I'm saying is it is an attack of the enemy. Well, how do you know? How can you say that? I'm not sure you can actually say that, Pastor, that all these bad things are attacks. Yes, I can. Because the Bible says every good gift comes from the Father. So if it's not good, guess what? The Father didn't give it to you. So a lot of people are walking around with stuff fed by some false teaching that tries to allow them to think that what they've got that's not good came from God. I'm telling you, listen, it didn't, well, I don't believe it directly came from Satan. Maybe it didn't, but it didn't come from God. And see, well, why is that so important? Here's what it is. If I think God gave me something, I'm not going to resist it. Why would I? Well, that's crazy. If God gave me this oppression and it's just, oh, it's just a part of my heredity. It's just a part of my family. We all battle with worry. We all battle with fear. And it's just something I got to deal with. God knows it's just my cross to bear. Well, what are you going to do if it's your cross to bear? Well, if you're a good Christian, you're going to bear it for the rest of your life. You're going to walk around all your life. Well, this is just a part of my life. It's just a part of me. I'm not saying that if you have worry or depression that you're not a Christian doing everything God called you to do, walking in faith or that anything. I'm not saying that. But what I am telling you is if I'm hit with sickness, the first reaction I'm going to have is I'm coming against it in the name of Jesus because it doesn't belong to me. Now you're saying, but wait a minute, what if you don't get better? If I don't get better, I don't get better, but the bottom line is it's still an attack of the enemy. And what I do with it, if somebody breaks into your house tonight, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there on your couch and say, well, maybe God sent them? Maybe this is the will of God for my life. They start picking your TV off the wall. Well, I sure hate to lose that, but I guess, you know, God may have sent you. Go ahead. You want to know where the, the, uh, you want my bank account number? Why not? Go ahead. Volunteer it. If God sent them, give him everything. Give him everything you... See, that breaks down when it gets personal. So you're not willing. Listen to me. Oh, boy. You wouldn't be willing to give up your TV. And you sure wouldn't be willing to give up the numbers to your bank account. Why are we willing to give up our peace? Why are you willing to give up on that family member? If you wouldn't let them take your TV out of your house, why are you letting a thief take your family member? Why are you letting them convince you that they can never be set free from drugs or never be set free from fear or never be, they'll never get saved? They're never, why would you allow the enemy to steal something far more precious to you than a possession? It's, you know why? Because of our thinking. Well, how do I change that? If the enemy is trying to keep the gates of heaven in your life shut, He does not have the authority to do that. How do I know that? Because of what Jesus said. When Peter pronounced that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
I'm saying unto you, upon this rock, I will build my church. He wasn't talking about Peter being the rock, as some false teaching has it. He's talking about the revelation that the Father gave to Peter about who Jesus is. Upon this rock, this revelation of who Jesus really is and what Jesus came to do, I will build my church. And then the next phrase is so important. The gates of hell shall not prevail Again, why do we sing, oh, that's just a neat little song, enemies camp, that's just fun, but I don't know that it's really spiritual. Oh, yeah, it is. Because, you see, gates don't move. So if the gates of hell should not prevail, that means the church is moving. That means the body of Christ is moving to go take what belongs to them. So if praise and thanksgiving gets me into the presence, opens the gates, then you know what I better be doing every day of my life? I better be giving praise and thanksgiving to God. Because, you see, you can't get anywhere until the gates open. See, that's just getting started, is getting the gates open. So if I enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his course with praise and I never take time to thank God, I never take time to be grateful, I never take time to stop and assess all the great things that God has done in my life and just simply say, thank you. Well, Pastor, I can't sing. Who told you you had to sing to give thanks? All you got to do is just say thank you. I think that would be awesome. Boy, I'd think we were having revival if I stopped in service one day and all I heard all across the room was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you, God, for that. I just want to thank you, Jesus. If all I could hear across this auditorium in the middle of some worship service was muted thank yous from everybody in the room, we would have revival right there. I'm telling you, the move of God would hit the room right there. You know why? Because the gates would open. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We get in. It opens the way into the presence of God. What's so important about that? I quote this verse all the time, and I don't do it just to hear myself talk. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of joy, an abundance of joy. More than enough to go. How many of you could use some joy this morning? I know, I know some of you, there's no reason for you to be happy. I've been there, done that, bought that t-shirt too. But here's the thing, I have a reason to have joy. You've heard this before. Happiness may depend on happenings, but joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It just depends on the faithfulness of God. That never changes. So if in His presence there's fullness and abundance of joy, and Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord gives us strength. It is our strength. If that's how many of you could use some strength today? How many are wore down? You don't even know why. No matter how much sleep you get, you just still feel like you're wore down all the time. You need some strength. Well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where is it? In the presence of the Lord. And what opens up the presence of the Lord? Thanksgiving and praise. It's more than just, it's more than just 30 minutes, or if we have a really good one, 45 minutes before we preach. That's not praise. You might praise during that time. You might just sing songs and never praise God once during that time. 
praise is the recognition of the greatness of God and the expression of our own gratitude to Him for what He's done. And we enter His gates with thanksgiving. We enter His courts to praise. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Something else that thanksgiving and praise does. Thanksgiving and praise enhances our prayer life. When you couple thanksgiving with prayer, oh, man, prayer goes to a completely different level. Well, how do I know that? Because God said that too. It says, don't worry or be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and then the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer with thanksgiving. I love that because God did not say, whatever's going on, just accept it. You just have to deal with it. No, he said, pray about it. He commanded you not to worry, but he did say to pray. Pray about it, but do it with thanksgiving. Couple it with, I was just reading the other day in Colossians where it says, be vigilant in prayer with thanksgiving. Over and over again in the New Testament, prayer and thanksgiving go hand in hand. So not only do, does it enable us to just have an enhanced entrance into the presence of God, which brings joy and abundance, which gives us strength, but thanksgiving coupled with prayer absolutely changes our prayer life. Why and how does it do that? Because it increases your faith. And the Bible says this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Let me tell you what will happen. As long as you're coming into prayer telling God how bad everything is, okay, your faith isn't going to grow. Matter of fact, have you, um, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine high. Have you ever gone in and just prayed and felt worse when you got done than you did before you started? I have. Do you know why? Because all I did in prayer was rehearse what was wrong. And after rehearsing what was wrong for about 30 minutes, I felt worse than I did before I started. I just talked to God about, God, I wish you'd do something about this. And God, I wish you'd do something about that. And God, you really should do this. And God, I feel like this. And God, this isn't right. And God, you see what's going on there. And the truth is, God's okay with all that. I mean, he does see and he does know and he does care. But what you and I did when we do that is all we've done is rehearse the problem. We never once talked about God's ability to change it or God's ability to turn it around or the fact that God didn't send it and the fact that if God didn't send it, he's willing to remove it. We didn't do any of that. But if we would stop, it's okay to tell God what's wrong, but what What's more important is to stop and thank God for what's right. If you will stop in the middle of, or better than that, if you would start by giving thanks to God. If the minute you, I know it's hard and I know what's going on is difficult and I know that's the foremost thing on your mind, but if you would intentionally stop before you start to rehearse what's wrong, if you would stop and say, God, I thank you that you are faithful. God, I thank you that just like that song says, you have never failed me, not one time. God, I remember that time and you you name whatever it is in your life. When I didn't know how I was going to get through and I didn't know what we were going to do, but just at the right time in a way I never could have imagined, you answered that prayer and you came through. And God, I thank you that you're still the same. God, I remember the time that you healed this person or you healed that person or you healed me. God, I remember the time that you came through with that financial blessing that we, we had to have it. God, we weren't going to make it, but you came through with that financial blessing. And God, I'm so grateful for that. God, I'm grateful for the life I've, you've given me. I'm grateful for the family that you've given me. I'm grateful for the health that God, I'm grateful for your word. And when we start going and going and going, what happens? Faith comes by hearing the word of God and you're speaking 
over your own life, the goodness of God, the power of God, the will of God, the life of God. And then when you start speaking that, your faith begins to rise. Then you can go before God. And if you even feel like it at that point in time, you may not even worry about your stuff by then. I've had times when I started giving thanks to God that I literally felt the Holy Spirit tell me, don't ask for anything. Don't ask me for a thing. Just give me thanks. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that or that's more spiritual than the other because he says, give us this day our daily bread. There's a time to bring ourselves. But there are times when we should just stop and thank God. I tell you, what changes? Your attitude changes. And if you're in a room, have you ever seen this happen? As a matter of fact, it works both ways, by the way. Have you ever been happy and just everything's going right and somebody come into the room? And after you've sat and for a little while and heard what this one did and this one said and that one did and that one said and this that happened, that that happened, this that happened, this went on, by the time you go, you just feel whatever joy was there is gone. On the other hand, have you ever been down and discouraged and you just felt like just doing nothing but complaining but somebody wouldn't let you? Because all they would do is just, yeah, but you know what? God's so faithful. Listen, I remember. Don't you remember when God, and all of a sudden you want to be down? You really do? Can, can we be honest enough to say that sometimes we, we, we want to be? No. Yeah, you do. Sometimes you just want to. Not all the time, but sometimes you do. I do. I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I just like to rehearse what's wrong. I like to just get it off my chest. Thankfully, I do it with God most of the time because he's able to handle it, you know. Then he'll correct me for it. He'll kind of, literally, if I could hear it, I'm not saying it's always the Holy Spirit, but literally what I hear in my spirit is many times, are you finished? <laughs> and he's not mad, not angry with me, just, is that good enough? You good? You good? But when you give thanks, it changes the attitude. And if you're in a room, it can change the atmosphere. I've literally had this happen many times in my life. I've been discouraged. And somebody else, I'm not even talking about, okay, it is the Holy Spirit, but it's indirectly because he just did it through somebody that didn't even know they were doing it. Just lifted me up. Just with their joy, it was contagious. Their peace was contagious. You ever met somebody who the peace they carried just spread? Isn't it interesting, and, and you need to understand this. Boy, we need to be aware of this. What you carry can be felt in a room. Okay, now don't misunderstand me. Church is the place. There's some people like, I'm, I'm going to get real honest, and some of you may get mad at me, and if you ever hear a preacher say this, don't get mad. And no, I'm not talking about this preacher or that preacher. I'm just telling you I've heard people say it. Nothing makes me more upset. I've heard somebody, I can't even preach here. The atmosphere of the room. We need to change the atmosphere. I can't even preach. I can't even teach. I can't even do that. I sat back where I, I, I've literally done it. I said, well, good grief. I wonder how Jesus ever did what he did. I don't want that Jesus you got. If he can't be bigger than the atmosphere of the room. 
You see, I serve a Jesus who walks in the middle of depression, and it don't change him. He changes depression. I serve a Jesus who walks in the middle of, of worry and fear and anxiety, and it don't get off on him. He just changes the worry and the fear and the anxiety. I serve a Jesus that can walk in the middle of, 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 of bondage and addiction, and it don't get off on him. He gets off on the bondage and addiction if he'll allow him to. See, I'm not saying that we don't need to. Listen, if there's ever a place that you ought to be able to come in and feel like I can be just who I am, and if broken is who I am, then I'm going to be broken in the house of God. If depressed is who I am, then I know I, that's, this is the place to bring it. I, but here's the key. Bring it, but don't keep it. It's okay to bring it. God's bigger than whatever you bring it in. That don't matter. This is a great place to bring it. Just don't leave with it because you don't have to. Why? Does it offend you, Pastor? It doesn't offend me at all. It breaks my heart because you don't have to. Are you saying that my, my discouragement rubs off on you? No. I'll feel for you, and then I'm going to go eat lunch. And if it's good enough, I'll be real happy when I'm done. Today's going to be real good because I've got Thanksgiving leftovers. So whatever, whatever we deal with, man, I'll feel for you, and then I'm going to go home and have Thanksgiving leftovers, and I'm going to be lifted right up. Doesn't take much for me. But it's okay to have it. Just don't keep it. But be aware. If you walk into a room and somebody you love is broken, don't give up. You can change the atmosphere in the room. See, some of us are waiting for some special movement of God. We're waiting for some special environment for our loved ones to be changed. And guys, you change the atmosphere. But if you and I are going to change the atmosphere, that means we're going to have to do some atmosphere changing in our own hearts. That means we're going to have to redevelop the prayer closet. Okay? Because let me just be honest, it hits us all. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. I bet you've never battled with depression. Actually, I battle with it quite a bit. Not what I would call deep depression, but I know what depression looks like. Well, I bet you've never battled with anxiety. I've had so much anxiety in one, one particular situation one day, I couldn't leave a room for four days. I know what anxiety looks like. Well, you don't know anything about loss. Yeah, you know better than that. We're all human. We're all in this together. So, no, it's not easy to say, but I'm going to tell you something. It works. And it's real. And my job is not to come up in front of you and pat everybody on the head and make us all feel better about where we're at. My job as a, as a pastor, as the shepherd of the flock, is if there is a place of healing and if there is a place of restoration and if there is a path to peace, to give it to you no matter how uncomfortable it makes you at the moment. Because you see, I would rather you be well. It, I hated when the kids got now <laughs> everything nowadays it seems like you're making a statement on some political matter or some news matter or not i'm not trying to make a statement so don't leave here and say i know what pastor lynn thinks about this current issue <laughs> but i know what it feels like when you take your kids in to get their shots their immunizations now we did that and i'm not it wasn't because i was trying to be hard on my kids you know i ha huh. I can't wait to see them get that shot. I hope they cry real good. <laughs> Never like that. It broke my heart. I hated it. 
just look, didn't look forward to it when it came. I don't never like to see my kids hurt at all. So if, if I was just led around by feelings as a parent, there would be many times I wouldn't take my kids to the doctor. I'd never made them go to school. They didn't like that very much. I never liked it either. I always begged my parents to let me stay home. I felt like I used the spirit on it. I thought I'd be more spiritual if I could stay home and not deal with the environment that was at school. You know, If I could just not have to deal with all that garbage at school, I'd be a better Christian, Mom, Dad. When I got to be 14, 15, felt like the call of God was on my life. I, I let them know if they'd let me come out of school. I, you can even, and nothing wrong with homeschooling, but I, that wasn't my idea. I was just, I, I, if you'd let me stay home and homeschool me, I could go preach in high schools around the world, you know, because God's called me to preach. Bottom line was, I just didn't want to go to school. And God knew that. So my mom said, nope. You're going to school. There's a lot of things that may be painful at the moment. But they're what we need. Thanksgiving, and you say, well, how can Thanksgiving be painful? Listen, I'm about done. The reason Thanksgiving is painful is because in order to give thanks, you have to let go of whatever it is that's keeping you from it. And sometimes what it is that's keeping us from it is special. But thanksgiving is powerful. So it's important for us to give thanks because it increases our faith and it changes the attitude and the atmosphere of our life. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because He's good. And He is. How many of you, I want you to just do something. Would you all just close your eyes for just a moment? I want you to think of three good things that God has done in your life. Three good things. And when you have those three good things, then open your eyes and look up. Three good things. Three good things that God has done. Isn't God good? Did you deserve any of that? He's just good and he did it. Now here's the thing I thought about before I did that. Having you think of three things you could complain about. It took a few of you a little while to get your head up with, and your eyes open after the three good things, but I'm pretty sure the three things we complain about would be done immediately. See, that's the way we work. It's human nature. So it's important for us to be a people who give thanks to God because He truly is good. As I close, I want you to remember this. His mercy endures forever. That's not going to change tomorrow. And what's important about that is that means it hasn't changed. I want everybody in this room to think, you don't have to close your eyes, but I want you to think for just a moment about the moment in your life when you felt God's presence in the most tangible way and you felt his anointing in the most tangible way and you experienced the blessing and the life and the mercy and the glory of God in the most tangible way that you can ever remember. Can you think about that for just a minute? I know it may take a minute, but just... And by the way, the reason it's taken a minute is because many of you have had multiple experiences like that. Now, here's the thing. His mercy endures forever. That has not changed. He has not changed. He's still the same. He loves you just as much today as he did then. His presence is just as tangible and just as powerful. But I don't feel it, but he's still the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change, and His Word doesn't change. His mercy 
endures forever. What happens if this happens or that happens? What happens if I turn on the news tomorrow and I find out this? You name it. Give thanks to the Lord because He is good and His mercy endures forever. What happens if this happens in my family or this happens? Give thanks to the Lord because He is still good and His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Thanksgiving changes our lives. And I challenge you to be intentional about stopping and giving God, not just on one day a year, and not even just on Sundays, but every day of your life. Just take a minute to stop, put everything aside, and give thanks to God. And watch what that does. If you're not already in that practice, watch what that does for your life. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just simply thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for this time in your word. And God, today I thank you you've got a purpose, not just because it's November, but you've got a purpose for us to stop and think about how good you are and how good you've always been and how good you will always be. Father God, I pray that we would not just simply hear the word, but we would take it in that we'd receive it by faith, that we would believe it, and that we would put it into action in our lives. Father God, I just thank you for moving. I thank you, God, for just changing even the direction of our thoughts and of our mind as we begin to give you thanks.